Welcome to the Motivational Firewood Radio Show, hosted by keynote speaker, author, and vision board mastery creator, Steve Gamlin. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hey there, my friend. Steve Gamlin here. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Motivational Firewood Radio Show. It is special guest time, and I'll tell you what, I can't go any farther around the exact pretty much half point of the world here. Tonight's guest is from Australia. His name is Sean Tucker. Sean is a health and wellness coach. He is the health impact maker. And get this, I love this phrase. Sean works with his clients to teach them, learn how to lead yourself to health without compromising the things you love. And in this world of people making all these holy promises that you can have the body, the health, the lifestyle you want, not change a damn thing. Well, that's not exactly true. No super secret formulas here. You just got a rock solid guy dedicated to his clients, dedicated to helping people create the best winning lives possible. So Sean, thank you so much for being a part of the Motivational Firewood Radio Show. Thank you so much for having me here. It's uh, it's an absolute pleasure. And you know, I'm glad we connected when we did because it was just, I don't know, beautiful synchronicity, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and tell everybody how we met. And so many people think like, oh, did you meet at an event? Mm, Nope. Are you both part of the same group? Nope. Let uh, let our listeners and viewers know how you and I first connected and, of course, instantly became great friends. Well, it's it's funny because we we have a common interest. And that was actually a really, really famous podcaster and really influential guy worldwide. And his name's Ed Milet. You know, he's in that space of motivational kind of personal development. And that's actually how we connected. Like I went on to Ed Milet's profile over LinkedIn and I saw, you know, you were commenting on his posts, you were engaging on his on his stuff. And I was like, who's this guy? <laughs> so I commented on yours as well, replied to one of your comments and literally sent you a request and said, hey, I see that you follow Ed Milet. I'd love to connect because I love connecting with people who, you know, have similar interests. And that's how we that's how we met. We set up a call and it just went like fire. It was awesome. Yeah. I mean, had we recorded that first call, this show would not be necessary because we literally did a show. The conversation we had was just amazing. And one of the greatest things that that I've always gotten is advice when you're building your network of people, of people you know, like and trust, which we did instantly with each other, is to find your tribe. And now yeah. part of my tribe is literally halfway around the world. So I'm so happy that we connected, that you reached out and that you, A, got my name right and didn't try to sell me something right away like so many (laughs) people do on LinkedIn these days. It's pathetic, but hey, we stuck it out on the right foot. So you've dedicated your life to helping people to create the healthiest, most well-adjusted versions of themselves. But something you shared with me that, that I'd like to have you share with our listeners and viewers is a time in your life when you were not exactly living your most healthy. And I'm just going to tease it by saying you woke up in a foreign country covered in blood and vomit. So why don't you let everybody know what got you there and then how that triggered you to get where you are now? Well, great intro, right? Like I I was, (laughs) I found myself in a pile of vomit, in a pile of blood in a foreign country. And how did I get myself there? Well, that's that's the million-dollar question, and this is how I ended up where I am right now. Because if I didn't go through that, I would have still been that stuck, kind of fat, depressed man who was still a, 
He was a child in a man's body, very much. And how it all eventuated, like, 12 years ago, I was I was overseas in South Korea. I was over there having a good time with my brother and friend. And, you know, I was always one to follow in my brother's footsteps. You know, I've got four older brothers, so I always uh, followed in their footsteps. And what happened was, you know, we were going over there, we were partying. I wasn't really connected to what I wanted to do in my own life. I was always following and you know it, it caught up to me because what happened over there was we were partying three nights in a row the last night we were supposed to head back to japan where my brother was studying and you know we decided to go through the whole bloody cocktail list on the bar and from what i from what i understand you know i was a complete mess i remember about one third to about half the night after that, I was completely blacked out. Supposedly, we smoked a cigar on the dance floor. I remember going out to 7-Eleven, buying a cigar and coming back. After that, completely blacked out. From the stories that I've heard, you know, these there was all these security guards, literally ran to the toilet, grabbed these massive piles of toilet paper and just threw it on the pile of vomit that was coming out of my out of my guts. Like it was horrifying. But all I can remember is the next morning waking up just covered in blood. I don't, don't know where the blood came from, in all honesty. I remember having just that putrid smell all over me. And I was so disoriented. I had no idea where I was. I really felt disconnected and felt so sick within myself that I decided then and there, I did not want to ever feel like that ever again. And that was when I, when I headed back to Japan. And I was, I don't even know how I got through customs. (laughs) Full transparency, I don't know how I got through because I had blood on my hands, there was blood over my face. I just looked like a zombie walking around trying to get home. Wow. Got back to Japan and literally was sick for probably the next week. Couldn't move. I was just in the hotel sleeping pretty much the whole day and the whole time. But I did not, I made a conscious decision to not drink alcohol again at that point. And when I got to Australia, I was like, I need to, when I got back home to Melbourne, I need to make some serious changes about my health because I was lost. I was depressed. I was lacking so much confidence and self-worth within myself. I didn't know who I was. And that that kind of hurts me to say that. But at the same time, I know that this message is going to hit, hit home for someone else. Yeah. And when I got back, you know, I started doing all the all the things that, you know, make you healthy. You know, running around when you're 110 kilos and have never really run before, you know, it's, it's been a hell of a journey and it's just been an evolving journey. I, I do drink a, a, alcohol occasionally now because mm-hmm. I have a much better relationship with it. It doesn't just fill up a black hole within myself yeah. because I'm a lot more connected to who I am and what I'm here to do in this lifetime. And the reason I asked you to share this story is not to discredit you as a health professional, but to actually give you the credit that you richly deserve. Because so many people, and I get people asking me sometimes, and they get pretty snotty about it. Steve, you're a speaker? Yep. You're a coach? Visualization coach? Yep. You created a learning program? Yep. Vision board mastery. What qualifies you to do this? You don't have any letters after your name. I said, here's what qualifies me to do this. And it's actually on one of the other walls here in the recording studio. I have a little chalkboard. And I got so tired of snobby people asking me this that I grabbed a piece of chalk one day and I wrote this, 
guy lived it. And I drew an arrow and I took my phone out and I put my face right in front of the arrow and took a selfie and I sent it to every snobby person who ever questioned what qualifies me to do what I do, (laughs) you know? You lived it because people can come to you with anything now. They'll say, oh, I, you know, I drank, I did this, I did this. And you said, okay, let's pull back the curtain. Here's where I was 12 years ago. Here's where I am now. There's hope for you. And you're qualified, my opinion, you are more than qualified now to lead people through it because you you can earn the no like and trust because you lived it. And these are my favorite people in the world, by the way, who have lived it. So kudos to you for doing that and then flipping it and developing a healthier relationship with alcohol, developing better habits, learning how to run and how to put your body into a better place. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's one of those things. I love, I love that mantra really. Like I bloody lived it. That's, that's my little take on it. I'd put bloody because it's very Aussie, right? (laughs) (laughs) But that's a hundred percent right. You know, life experience is always going to outweigh any sort of other experience you'll get through learning in an education system, learning from someone's story, like reading books. Life experience is the thing that is really going to teach you the most lessons because it's yeah. it's nature. It's your own nature. It's trying to teach you to wake up. And just in case anybody thinks that you flipped the switch that day and it's like a Hollywood movie where all of a sudden the clouds part and the angels sing and the music swells, you know, Sean's life didn't just suddenly get perfect because he had that revelation and resolution. I always describe it as people say we rise like a phoenix. I said, well, my phoenix rides a pogo stick. It's been back in the ashes a few times. But every single time my tail feathers get burned off, they grow back more colorful. They grow back stronger and I'm able to fly higher every single time because I was paying attention. So, Mm. you know, if you want to share a couple of the, you know, more learning experiences you've had in your life or struggles along the way, I just, the reason I ask you to share this is so people don't think that we suddenly got it in that one snap of a finger. In life is great again. We are constantly evolving. We're constantly learning. We're constantly falling back in the fire, flying higher again. So, you know, share your journey of how you went from this really sad state in your life to where you are now and basically being the health impact maker in people's lives today. You know, it, it's it's so true. It doesn't just happen in a movie, in a two-hour movie, right? You, yeah. you do go through this, like I said, it's an evolving journey and you got to kind of like a snake sheds its skin, you, know, you do have to shed your skin multiple times. Maybe there's those maybe one to three times in your life where it's been truly transformative and you can really take that energy and really turn it into something that's quite positive. But really for me, like, you know, I went, I think I've mentioned this in our last, in our last chat as well. It was only really the start because when I realized that I was a little bit, I wouldn't even say a little bit, when I was very lost in what I was doing, because I was still following my brother's footsteps. You know, I've got older brothers, so I was always, you know, very, they're very, very smart people. One of them is a mechanical engineer or mechatronics engineer, I should say. One of them is a Japanese teacher who graduated in a double degree of developmental biology and Japanese at very, very high level. Like he was taking the level of Japanese that Japanese people take. It was crazy. Right. So I had a lot of, uh, I guess my own personal seeking to deliver something to my parents and make them proud of me in the same re- regard. And my parents were never like that. They were always like, you know, whatever 
you do just do what makes you happy but it was those personal internal standards that i have had of myself that i needed to carry myself higher but what happened to me was probably 2 years after uh, that incident i was actually doing a course university course actually a bachelor's degree that i really i don't know why i was doing i was i was failing i actually got kicked out of the university that's how bad it was and this is a very reputable university here in australia because it was pretty much straight out of high school i you know i graduated pretty well at a high school got into this very reputable university and it was yeah it was not something that i found myself motivated or inspired to actually follow but i was still i was still doing it because i know that i needed to be at university to get what i wanted later on in life and that was more of one of those things that if i had have realized that you know I didn't have to follow that path and probably could change my direction a little bit. I may have been better off, but I know that I wanted to still go to university to have that credibility and be able to use it for something greater. And so I got kicked out of that university, decided to go into another university, studying something totally different. I ended up studying language and international politics, which is so weird. <laughs> and for some reason, found myself again in that in that rabbit hole of I don't really want to be here. And at that time I found my now wife, it was girlfriend at the time. She really, I mean she comes from an affluent family from a, you know, Chinese background in Singapore, and they really care about education. So I know that if I was to quit my university degree, what would I do then? Because we had only really just started dating. I really wanted to prove myself not only to her, but to her family as well because they really really care about you know status a lot mm-hmm. and yeah it was it was difficult for me and i remember this actually in my bedroom i was speaking to my mum on the phone and i was absolute distraught like i was just breaking down crying because i was telling my mum that if i quit my university i'm scared that my girlfriend that i had i'd i'd lose her and it was it was a real fear within me but it was such a an illusionary fear because it wasn't real. Yeah. And the funny thing is when I was speaking to my mum my mum just looked like she didn't look at me because I was obviously on the phone but she said you're being an idiot <laughs> open the door <laughs> open the door and give her a hug. And yeah. yeah I was still breaking down she was on the other side of the door and I was afraid to let her in because I didn't want to tell her how I felt and what I wanted to do with my my direction of my life. Yeah. And then Yeah, I got off the phone with my mum, opened the door and literally just sobbed in her arms <laughs> and I I told her, you know, this is what I plan to do. And she said, "Well, that's fine." <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, follow your heart. That's what she basically told me. And, you know, at that point I was like, "Wow." I felt so empowered that someone really had listened to me for once. Not that they weren't I wasn't listened to before but it was more like I I know that I was in trouble I wanted to change and I wanted to really redirect where I wanted to go in my life something on my own terms and that's when I decided to actually get into that you know gym and fitness health and fitness sort of space because I was going to the gym I was loving working on myself and I wanted to give that to people that needed it just as much as I did Yeah. And so I quit my university degree, my bachelor's course in that international politics and language course that I was taking. 
and I went and studied Cert 3 and Cert 4 in fitness and personal training for the next six months. And I felt that fire within me that was just so excited to wake up and, you know, go, go with it. And it wasn't an easy journey. But then after finishing that, I was like, well, what next? I feel like I'm not ready to, you know, start training clients and working with people. And so at the time, my girlfriend, now wife, was she was still studying at university. She has a very similar story to me, by the way, who was uh, maybe kicked out of university. And I, I probably shouldn't tell, tell everyone that without her permission. But anyway, we're here now. Yep, here we and go. She, she was studying at the university that I was looking at and wondering, hmm, I want to go and study at university because I know within me, I still wanted to do that. And then she actually helped me apply for a Bachelor of Health Science, majoring in sports science at university with a minor in nutrition. And that's when I truly connected to myself. And for the first time in my life, I was actually, I was leading on a path that I didn't know. And I was so happy to do so. You see, you get all these people paying tens, even hundreds of thousands of dollars to attend these mastermind weekends to figure out their lives. And your mom says, don't be an idiot. Just quit and go give her a hug, and that changed her life forever. So I think your mom should just write a book or at least a series of postcards or fridge magnets or something. I, I totally agree with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Please tell her that an American motivational speaker said that she should go do that. So <laughs> I'll pass that one on for sure. Love that. So and something you said in there too, and, and it's, you know, it's referred to a lot as imposter syndrome getting ready to get ready where you you would start to get your education you're fired up you're passionate about it but you didn't quite feel ready to help other people yet and i saw an example earlier today this was a, a friend of mine we're both part of a big mastermind group called apex and he shared this message that someone had sent him and, and he said i i used to not really share personal things online uh, about my mm. own personal journey he was saying this and he's not a speaker or a coach he's in a, a different business but he started to do that because that's something that we all do here as part of this organization. And then we're just as, as open and authentic and vulnerable and empathic and caring and helping as we can be and just honest about where our lives are at. And he's been yeah. posting consistently about his journey and some of the struggles he's had, how he's overcome it. And it's just part of his life now. Well, someone reached out to him today. First time this person reached out and said, I've been following your stuff. I've been reading about your journey. I've been watching you fall down, pick yourself back up. I just want to let you know you inspired me so much that I'm taking on the same journey myself. And we never met, and I don't know you personally, but I just want to say thank you. And the reason I share that is for every time we feel like we're not ready, there's someone in the shadows praying for a hero. And to me, a hero is anybody who leaves a situation better than they find it, by the way. I'm not trying to glorify myself by saying I'm a hero or pat myself on the back. If you can go out today and take the knowledge you've gained, whether it be book knowledge, learning knowledge, university knowledge, or just the knowledge of the cuts and scrapes and bone breaks and bruises of life, mm -hmm. and share your journey authentically in a very real way, please do so. Please do not hold back. Don't be an idiot, as Sean's mom would say, and don't hold <laughs> back. Just go for it. And and I know because you do what you do now and who you are now and the level you're at and the fact that we both follow Ed Milet and we're both working to live the best, most honest and open versions of ourselves. Mm -hmm. I know you got through that phase pretty well. Yeah, it's it's so true, isn't it, Steve? Like the more you're able to just 
I, su- I suppose it's putting yourself out there. It's yeah. being unafraid when you are truly afraid yeah. because that, that message is really going to hit. Well, one, it's going to open you up, yeah, because you're actually moving on. From a coaching angle, you're actually getting past that fear or that failure or whatever is holding you back. Yeah. But what that does is it actually gives a permission slip to someone else. Remember when you're in primary school or you know, in, in schooling, you need to get one of those permission slips from the teachers to say, I've got permission to go to the toilet, right? Yep. We're still stuck in that mentality of needing someone to validate or approve us to let go of what we're holding up, what's holding us back. And there's a really good way to go about it too. And I had a conversation with someone earlier today who she's she's very self-conscious about various things about herself. So she's she's not super comfortable putting herself out there. And she asked me, well, what if I go out and just say some self-deprecating things to be funny? And I said, well, here's the line. And the only reason I know where the line is is because I crossed it for decades in my life. You got to be very careful to not discredit yourself, to not take away your power by putting yourself down, thinking you're bringing yourself down to the levels of other people. What you need to do is be confident enough to share, here's where I used to be, here's where I am now, here are some of the things I did at the time before I got as confident and knowledgeable and experienced as I am now, and here's where we are. And we have to have positive confident self-talk i believe we have to have self-respect honoring ourselves you know honor yourself is the two greatest words i ever learned in Mm. in my life and i spent literally decades because i can weave things in with humor i was on the radio for a number of years i was a stand-up comedian for seven years i combined positivity and humor as a speaker so i used it for my entire life The problem was I discredited myself for too many of those years and actually hurt my business. I hurt my self-esteem. I hurt my self-worth. My self-talk was horrible. But these days, now I know how to use it responsibly. And I can can still talk about the humorous stuff and some of the things that I went through and make them memorable as a story, but not be a slave to that anymore or be that identity anymore. And when you work with people who may start off as very overweight, maybe have addiction issues or just doing things that aren't healthy for themselves, how hard Mm -hmm. is it for you to remind them that they're not that person anymore? You know, as they rise up, they're leaving a lot of that baggage, that weight, that mental baggage, that old wiring behind them. What are some of the ways that you work with people to help them understand that they are, in fact, the better version of themselves now? And they not only have responsibility to continue growing, but also look over their shoulder to reach back and help others. It's it's such a great question. And I think it has multiple answers because you know, what works for someone is not going to work for someone else. That's mm-hmm. what I've really learned in, in this, I suppose, art of coaching you know, I've got really, really strong science-backed methods that I use with all of my clients and understanding you know, what their body types are because their lifestyle priorities of what's going to make them better sooner is going to differ between, say, you, myself, and someone else. It goes back to ancient Ayurvedic medicine and, and looking at these things. And the art of coaching really comes into play when you're literally just listening, Right actually paying attention to what they're saying and you know i have that beautiful gift of hearing what they're not saying in many ways like intuitively picking up things that their unconscious mind is telling me and somehow i'll just speak it like i don't even know where it comes from to be honest you know call it divine guidance whatever you want to call it 
but it just comes out and people are like, whoa, how did you know? Like, wow, you're really good. How did you know that? Yep. And so it's it comes back to really stopping, letting them stop. I think that's the that's the key. And, you know, sometimes I call, catch myself in this trap as well. Not looking back, always focusing on the future because probably like yourself, a little bit of a visionary. Like you want to manifest something that's greater because you see the world from an observational standpoint. You see what people are struggling with and you really want to create something that's more positive for the future of the world, for the enrichment of humanity. And too often we get caught up in that whole we're future pacing, paying attention to the present, what's happening now, but kind of forget to reflect how far we've come and that you are a different person. And even if you feel like you've gone back down to that spiral of where you were before, you'll never actually meet that person again because you'll never, ever get back down to that level because you've had time and you've had more experience. So people that have, you know, gone on 10 to 12 to 15, you know, sort of weight loss journeys in their lifetime and they're like, oh, how did this happen again? Just know that it's not happening at the exact same position each time. You are moving forward. Or maybe you're going backwards, but usually it's not going backwards. Most of the time it's going forwards. Yeah. And and you can have the same number on your scale that maybe you had a year ago, three years ago, five years ago, but you're not that same person anymore. You know how to at least get back to zero. And then reach your hand up because the right people will always reach their hands back. People like yourself, people like me. And you, you inspired me to think of one of my vision board coaching clients. She's going through my vision board mastery learning program. And she was afraid to reach out with questions because she felt she had to go through the whole program before she could ask me anything. And she was stuck on module two out of 10. And I just noticed a tone in the post she was making on social media. She wasn't even talking about that, but I saw it looked like she was getting down on herself a little bit. And whenever I sense that, I pretend as though I didn't see that post. And I hop here on the camera and I shoot a video, you know, hey, name of client. I just happen to be in the studio and I was thinking about you today. Boy, it's a crazy day, isn't it? Hey, let me know if you have any questions or what's going on. Let me know where you're at in the program, blah, 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 blah. Said something funny, signed off. And she reached out and she goes, okay, I feel busted. How did you know I was having a bad week? <laughs> and then she just <laughs> asked me the question and she goes, I was, I was so afraid to ask because I felt like I was failing the program. And I said, failing is when you stop reaching out and give up on yourself and give up on me as somebody who can help you through this. You know, it's not, and, and she wrote this in a testimonial. She goes, Steve is the first person whose program I've invested in who actually wants me to finish more than I wanted to finish some days. <laughs> she goes, you didn't just process my credit card and disappear on me like some other people did. I could never be like that. And I, be, I became a coach and a speaker because I was sick and tired of people in our industry doing that to people. Mm. And I believe, you know, we're, we're, we're both heart and soul based. I mean, just the conversations we've had off air, we're both so heart and soul based. And that's why you're here on the show, by the way, because there are people that come up to me, Hey, I'm the best in the world at this. And I do this and I want to come in and sell my program. And as soon as they say that, I'm like, mm, no, <laughs> I want you to be able to help people. Just, just people listening to our conversation saying, Oh my gosh, they're talking about me, even though they've never met me and i know yeah, you're so right. in tune with that not just physically but mentally and emotionally with mm. people as well and and i saw one of your videos recently talking about 
mental health and and how the past three years of the pandemic has seriously impacted people. And this, you know, this is a more serious topic, but it's something I'm very concerned about as well Mm. because the connection that I, that is such a big part of my life almost disappeared at times over the past three years. And it can put us in a very dark place and get us off our game. And I know that it's such a big thing for you to, help lead people into the light, help them find their own light as well within themselves. So what are some of the ways that you're, you're communicating that with people in not only the people that are your clients, but also just in general, because you just care so much. What are your words for people that might still be struggling with some of those dark days? Yeah, this, this is an interesting one. I think a lot of it comes back to really starting at the awareness level. Yeah, we do have all of this mental health awareness stuff that is now available, but simply put, it's not enough. It's not going to the depth that you know, it should, I humbly believe. And when I get up and, and speak about this, I get emotional just saying it because I connect to the people's energy when they are paying attention to me. And I can feel the amount of suffering and pain that other people are feeling because I'm deeply empathic, right? We're very much heart and soul based people. And as soon as you get up, you, you connect to it and people just feel it all of a sudden. So really my message here is helping people understand that we don't go through change that quickly. Never in our lifetimes, especially this generation and the younger generations, have ever gone through change that quickly. Think back three years ago where I, I live in a, in the city called Melbourne in, in Australia, right? We're the most locked down city in the world. We had six lockdowns. At times, we couldn't leave our house more than five kilometers away from the radius of our house. We couldn't go and exercise for longer than an hour a day. You could only go to the shops from with one person from your entire household per day. You, know, you had all these ridiculous measures for, obviously, precautionary measures. Like, of course, they probably saved a lot of lives. But at the same time, there was so much change that happened so quickly. Within a couple of hours, you couldn't leave your house after eight o'clock. And that was just like a rule that was imposed just like that. And there was fines. There was lots of things happening that, you know, you didn't really want to test them either. You know, people did. But at the same time, my point being, the only time that change really happens that quickly is during war. You know, when you've got people literally on the streets gunning you down, or you've got a bomb that's really just about to drop on your head. Like none of this happens that fast. And so what are the consequences from change happening so quickly? Our mental health has to suffer the consequences of you know, living in scarcity. We did have that fear. We had that uncertainty and that scarcity really imposed on us very, very quickly. And the, the evidence is going to take a long time to catch up because what we see in scientific studies and clinical data is it takes 10 to 15 to 20 years for stuff to catch up. But we're seeing now that the mental health, I guess, programs in the whole industry, the medical industry, is under so much pressure. Like there's a wait time up to 18 months for someone who's mentally, has a mental health illness right now and is suffering, has to wait 18 months to see a psychiatrist or a psychologist. That's the kind of place that we're here in, a, on, and here in Australia. Like it's just not viable. So if we can give some sort of tools and, I guess, understandings as to what's happening, my key message is 
you know, what's the one thing that you can do that will move yourself forward in a positive way? Maybe for someone who's a little bit, you know, bigger built, maybe their priority for them is actually to sort out their environment, like clean up their house, make sure that it's livable because people can literally snap so quickly into a mental health illness. It's, it's actually ridiculous. Like we could go to sleep tonight and wake up tomorrow with a mental health illness because that's the pandemic that's on its way is the mental health pandemic. I know for me, you know, I, I work with the life wheel, a pretty standard tool in personal development, uh, physical health, emotional well-being, big one, relationships, core values and ethics that guide us, faith and spirituality that do the same from a different angle, connection mm-hmm. to the world in a real way, and then our career and our finances. Connection for me is one of the biggest ones. That's one of the most important ones. And when we were, although our restrictions weren't quite as as deliberate and quite as blunt as what you have to deal with. I worked from home because all the events were canceled. My DJ business was out of business because the events were gone and my speaking switched over to virtual. So I would go days without leaving the house, sometimes not even being outdoors in sunlight. And for me, connection is a very important thing. And I'd start to get a little wobbly and anxiety and some depression after a couple of days. And I finally figured it out because somebody asked me actually earlier today, how did you get through that, Steve? Because I'm feeling so disconnected. I said, I used to go rescue shopping carts at the grocery store. I would leave home for drive 10, 15 minutes into town, go to the store, make people laugh, hold the door and walk around and rescue carriages from people who either needed them returned or maybe somebody had left one out in the parking lot somewhere. Mm. And, And I felt like an old knight, you know, almost like jousting i would roll down my window if there was one way in the back of the parking lot i would hold my arm out and probably a little faster than those carts are built to go 15 20 miles an hour i would escort it back to the carriage corrals and i would be laughing my head off listening to these wheels chattering and it makes a heck of a racket and other people turn around looking at me and they're just laughing and every time I get home, Tina would look at me. She goes, what are you laughing about? I said, ah, I went and played shopping cart rodeo again. She just shake her head and <laughs> back into her office. The silliest things like that. And I'm not you know, trying to say that this would work for everybody or somebody with a serious issue, but finally felt enough pain that I said, I've got to do something that reconnects mm-hmm. me with people around me, making people laugh, paying, paying compliments to people. And, and I don't care either way. If you wore a mask, if you didn't wear a mask, if you had to or whatever. I'm just always the, I just do whatever I feel I need to do what's right for me. And that's it. But I would compliment people on their masks. And then somebody pulled me aside one day and said, the hell are you doing that for? You can't even tell if they're happy or whatever their reaction is. I said, yeah, I said, watch their eyes. When I make them laugh, their eyes squint up and they get little wrinkles by their eyes. I said, I know they're laughing and smiling behind that mask. So my mission every day was every place I went I wanted to get people to squint their eyes and just compliment them or make them laugh or something. And it was the greatest medicine for me the whole way through. Once I figured out why I was feeling so down, it was disconnection. And that raised my connection level. My emotions got better. My relationship got better because I wasn't being all mopey around my Tina and down and quiet. And it made everything, it, it raised the bar for everything. So, so I hope even that gives people ideas of little ways they can just, you know, I always call it leaving plus signs in my wake. I just, everywhere I wanted to go, went, I wanted to leave a plus sign for someone else to be impacted. 
I love that. That's, yeah, something I actually talk about quite a bit and I, I failed to mention it, but I'm going to mention it now. And that, you know, connecting with someone is as simple as really being present with them, listening. Yeah. So if we can, that's, that's my message is just stop, listen to what they're saying. Don't be the one to give them advice. Yeah. Just listen without judgment and give them the, I guess that space that they probably need to confide in. You know, there, there is the other side and maybe the more darker side to that is that person doesn't know how to deal with what they're telling them. Then it could actually set them into a spiral too. But this is, this is what I say is like, just arrange yourself, put yourself with like-minded people and make it your mission to kind of just have and hold space for someone because that can actually save a life is just yeah. being present. And I love that you take it to that next step of you're completely changing their state because yeah. as we know, energy is infectious, right? If you're giving off that magnetic vibration of you know, laughter and joy, someone's going to see that and just do the same thing because it's magnetic. And I've literally watched it happen before. I was at our bank at our post office in our little town, share the same building. There's two outside doors. It's about a 30-foot parking lot, two outside doors, the ATM lobby for the bank, and then two inside doors, and then the main hallway. And I saw this older gentleman come walking up, and I could see by his, his baseball cap that he was a World War II veteran, probably early 80s at the time. And I just stood there and held the door open for him. And he started doing that little old man jog. I said, sir, I said, you do not have to speed up for me. I said, first off, I'm self-employed. There's nobody screaming for me to come back. I said, second, you are a military veteran, and I want to thank you for your service and dedication to freedom. And he held out his hand. He says, young man, it's good to see people with manners. And at the time, I was in my mid-40s. I go, how old do you think I am calling me young? He goes, younger than me, young fella, younger than me. And he clapped me <laughs> on the shoulder. Now, I'm laughing, and he's laughing, and you'd think that would be enough. There was a five-year-old kid in the ATM lobby with his mom, and he looked up at that gentleman, and he opened the inside door. Now, it doesn't mean that he saw me do it, but his mom is raising a good kid, and the gentleman pulled out a dollar, gave it to the kid, and he told the woman, you're raising a fine young man there. Thank you very much, son. Good job. And he shook his hand, too. And I'm thinking, man, I just signed up for the bonus package. I thought it was enough just opening the door for him. I just got to see a ripple happen right in front of me. We usually have to wait for those. I got to see it happen right in front of me. And that, to me, I mean, that's now eight, nine years ago. Mm, I'm still reliving yeah. it and feeling it when I saw that. Now, that young man is probably in his mid-teens now. And I hope he's still doing that same exact thing because he can now impact the next five-year-old kid. It's that simple, not easy. It's that simple to leave plus signs in your day every day because we never know who's out there in the minus column who just is praying for something like that to happen. Yeah, and it starts with shifting your own state, right? Because when you're in that state of dark, sort of why am I feeling so depressed? Maybe you're not you know, diagnosed depressed, but you're feeling depressed, yeah? Just a deep sadness, you're not going to want to go and push the shopping carts around. You're not going to want to open the door for people. But if you can become aware and sort of just shift and change, because all it takes is a moment. Yeah. If you can shift and change into a more positive sort of mindset and 
optimistic state, well, that's going to then become infectious. Just like cancer becomes infectious when it's given the right environment. It's one of those things. It's energy is the same, whether it's positive or negative. So choose positive. I guess that's that's really the key message, eh? And the funny part of it is a lot of those days when I'll either make somebody laugh or pay a compliment or rescue a carriage have have started off as some of my worst days or my most disconnected days, I should say. And, yeah. you know, people can believe whatever they want to believe in. I'm not particularly involved in any religion, but I do believe in God and I talk to God every day and we have a good relationship. We got a good thing going. And I'll always walk in and I'll say, all right, here's this opportunity. I'll go ahead and do it. I'll go ahead and do it. And three or four or five plus signs later, I'm walking out of the store and I look up and I go, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm like, I know you put all this stuff in my way. Thank you. And, and I always come home different. And, and I love to do that with my clients. I know you like to do that as well. I'm sure somebody you're working with who may be coming up with an issue or a problem, you may just bounce it off the wall in this most interesting way or share a story or something. Those become the things that we talk about. Those become my stage stories. Those become the things I write articles about. They become the things I share on social media, not with anybody's name. Anonymity is important, but it's these real life examples. I mean, anyone can read a book on health and wellness. Somebody could just take the textbook that you had to study for part of one of your degrees and just say, well, the book says this. And I could pick up this motivational Mad Libs and say, well, when you say this, I'm supposed to say this mantra. A lot of it is garbage to me personally, because it doesn't motivate me. Real life, real people, real hearts, real souls, real passion, real empathy, real caring, and real love. In real excitement and real humor, that's what gets me going. And that's that's what I try to bring to every conversation, whether it be with a stranger or be a client who's paying full price for my program. They all get that version of me because I believe that's what they deserve. Yeah, it's because that's what you deserved, right? You deserve to give that to yourself. So when you're playing full out with yourself and being who you are, then it's... It then carries on and you want to give that to other people because it's the greatest gift that anyone can have Yeah, is to be fully vulnerable and transparent with themselves. And the people that actually get there, they don't get there by planning it. Life has a mysterious way of making them go through it to help them realize that it's always been there. Yeah. And those are the best when all of a sudden you realize, oh my gosh, when I had a choice to go left or right and I went this way and I thought I'd made the wrong choice for all that time. And then all of a sudden around that last corner, there it was. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Those make the best stories. So, so my question to you, as we get ready to wrap this up, what's next for you, Sean, where, where are you going? I know you and I have had conversations about some of the things that you've got coming up. What's next? What What's the next level? You know, you've already reached so many peaks. And of course, people like you and I, we turn around and there's always another mountain that, you know, somebody taps us on the shoulder and goes, look up, there's another one there. What's next for you? Well, this is the thing. I, I know the general direction of which, which I'm going, and it is to be the health impact maker on this world and enrich humanity in, in multiple ways. And I have, you know, certain visions that I want to impact you know, a million people in by five years' time. And that's positively impact. You know, not negatively, but positively. Helping them develop their mental fitness, 
not not resilience or mental toughness, but really the fitness because fitness is very you know multidisciplined, and it's really just making themselves the creator of their own life. So to tell you what's next, like I'm working on multiple projects at the moment, and it's it's exciting time within me, within my businesses, and just putting it out into the world. But I think it's just going back to those simple principles. Can I make a positive impact on one person today? And if I can do that, I'm successful. Yeah, because that one becomes many. And and I think so many people, I love that you said it that way, because so many people said, I want to impact millions of lives. What are you going to do? I'm not quite sure yet, but I'm going to come up with an idea that's going to allow me to impact millions of lives. And I'll ask, what did you do today? Well, nothing. I don't, I don't know a million people yet. Like, yeah, but you know that one. Because really, that's all it takes. You do yeah. one, one becomes two, two becomes four. And then it goes, when it goes exponential, there's your millions, man, right there. Yeah, that's 100% right. So I'm you know, working forward, moving forward need to stop and reflect sometimes. And I had that chance over Easter to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents live in the countryside in the middle of the bush, so it was great to just stop. I actually felt a, a large amount of inertia in myself, so I know that I needed to stop because I actually felt a little bit you know, ran down, mm-hmm. but I quickly got over it, and you know, I'm, I'm refreshed and ready to go. Yeah, see, sometimes in that silence, that was exactly what you needed. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Now, how can people find out more about you, Sean? Because, I mean, gosh, you and I connected on LinkedIn, a simple friend request, because we both follow the same person whom we both admire and respect. Now, here we are, brothers. So how can people reach out and learn more about you and support you in your efforts to keep on improving and to impact so many lives? Well, I appreciate that very much. So we've actually, there's probably two two ways, two main ways to find me, and that's Finding my my website. If you land on my website, you'll see connections to my LinkedIn, to my other social profiles as well. And that's healthyceos.com.au. And the other way is we're actually bringing out a podcast very soon. It's called Elastic Mindset. And that's co-hosted with my good friend up in Sydney. And it's all around developing that mental fitness. So I can't wait to share that with the world. Looking forward to that. Sean, thank you so much for being a part of the Motivational Firewood Radio, my friend. I'm sure it's not going to be the last conversation. I'm looking forward to the next one already. Yes, I can't wait for it, Stephen. Thank you so much for having me on your show. It's it's been a wild experience. Thank you for listening. For more information on how you can create a more vivid, focused future with the Vision Board Mastery Program, or to invite Steve to be part of your next event, please visit stevegamlin.com. 